All right, so show of hands, uh, for the last four weeks now, how many people have been creeped out by our intro video? Show of hands. All right, good. It's exactly what we were going for. My wife told me that this week, and so I thought I'd just uh, take a poll and figure out if we accomplished what we were after, and we did. Good. Um, my name is Brian. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. I'd love to get that opportunity, so I'm usually hanging out at the back of the room uh, when we get done here this morning, so if, uh, especially if this is your first time hanging out with us, I'd love for you to just stop by, shake my hand, say hi. You don't have to shake my hand. Uh, you can give me knuckles, or we can, we can hug it out. I'm not a big hugger, but we can hug it out if you want. Um, I'd just like to meet you. We, we love new people here, so if this is your first time hanging out, I'd love the opportunity to say hi. Uh, we are in week four of our series called Ghost Stories. We just kind of figured, hey, it's, it's the season where uh, we approach this, um, this time of the year where, where Halloween is kind of a big deal. We got that going on tomorrow night for all of you who are trick-or-treaters and that kind of stuff. Um, I love candy, so I'm not going to rap. I know some of you are thinking that. It's not where, it's not, it's not where we're going. It's not, it's not happening. Uh, I, just, I just really love candy. Like, I, I like it. I like candy. Um, so I look forward to the season, so we thought it'd be cool to kind of creep you out with an intro video. That's the whole reason. Uh, and we're talking about uh, not ghost stories, like I'm not going to try and scare you or tell you anything gruesome or, or, or ghouly uh, today, but we have been talking about uh, what scripture would refer to as maybe the Holy Ghost, or we, we, a little more modern term for that, we would call it the Holy Spirit. And so for the last three weeks, we've been talking about the, the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. In week one, we talked about his presence and what we, can, what we have access to through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go away so that the presence of the Holy Spirit can be with you. Uh, and then in week two, Pastor Michael Woods shared with us and talked to us about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us and we have access to that same power. Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us a spiritual gift, at least one gift. All of us have one, some of us have many, none of us have all. Right? We talked about that last week, but that all of us have a gift that is it's not for us. Right? We learned that last week. It's not for us or about us, but to be used for the glory of God and for the renown of his name. We talked about that last week. And today I want to talk about how all of that happens. The, the Bible uses two terms or two phrases to describe how the Holy Spirit comes to be part of our lives. And so what I, what I hope to do this morning is to define those two terms for us, give us some distinction between those two terms, and see then what we should be looking for and what responsibility we have as followers of Christ for interacting with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're not a believer yet, that's, that's awesome. Like, we're glad that, that you chose this place to come and to hang out. And so if you're like, man, I don't Holy Ghost, y'all are weirding me out with all this churchy Jesus, Holy Spirit, ghost stuff. It's cool. Like, I, I, I get some of that could sound a little weird, especially if we talk today about the Spirit coming to live inside of us, and that might freak you out a little bit. Sounds very Halloween-y, right? But here's, here's what I want you to know, man, if this is your first time, if you're not a believer, man, so glad that you thought this place was safe enough to come and try to figure out this, this whole church and Jesus thing. And man, we're really, really glad that you're here. And we believe as a church, it's, it's part of our mission to, to make this place a safe place to figure out these matters of faith. Because some of this stuff is a little spooky sometimes. It is a little difficult sometimes. It's important for us to have a safe place to figure that out so we're... We're glad that you're here. 
So I told you, there's, there's two ways, two terms that the, the, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit comes to interact with us. And so here they are. The first is called the baptism of the Spirit, and we'll talk about what that means. And the second is the filling of the Holy Spirit. So in some places, the Scripture will talk about how we are baptized with the Spirit. In other places, it talks about how we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to kind of define those two terms for us and then kind of expand from there again what our role is as it pertains to the Holy Spirit and how he comes to be part of our lives. So I want to start with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the process by which, all right, so hang on a little bit, I'm going, to get a little, little, I'm going to do a little theology work, a little doctrine work right here. All right, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit, when we become a believer, indwells the believer. Now, if that whole indwells word, maybe, like, what does that mean? All right, I mean, here's what it means. The Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of us. We talked about in week one how the Holy Spirit is our counsel, how it's our comforter, how he covers us in prayer, and how it convicts us of sin. All of that happens when we have access to the Holy Spirit because he is part of our spirit our soul what makes us up there's there's the flesh and blood part of us and then there's the kind of the mental and the spiritual side of us the holy spirit comes to indwell to dwell in it's literally what you just take the words and you flip them around right so it's in he indwells the believer means that he dwells in the believer this happens through what we call the baptism of the holy spirit it happens at the moment you truly become a follower of Christ. When you give and submit your life to Christ and receive salvation from him, the Holy Spirit, you you experience what we would call and define as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He comes to indwell you. This is how Paul said it. We're gonna read a lot from Paul today because Paul had a lot to say about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so all of the texts that we'll read today will be from letters that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to other believers to explain to them the role of the Holy Spirit. He said this in Romans chapter eight, verse nine. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, talking to believers. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, or if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, indwells, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So, so from that, we can take and kind of make this equation that says this. If we belong to Christ, if the, if the Holy Spirit is not in us when we don't belong to Christ, then when we belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us. That's exactly what Paul is saying. The baptism of the Spirit is what makes us part of the body of Christ, meaning that we belong to him. He is our Lord, meaning he has control and dominion over our lives, and he is our Savior who pardons us from sin through his sacrifice on the cross. That is the biblical definition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a school of thought in some denominations, and many of you may even come from some of the denominations that believe in something that is called um, a, the, the doctrine of subsequence or the second act of grace or the second gift of grace that results in the speaking in tongues. Now, while that is a, a somewhat prevalent uh, belief system in a lot of denominations, in several denominations, I want us to be careful how we think about this, this gift of, the inter- of speaking in tongues. 
You see, we learned last week that all of us, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, receive a spiritual gift. All of us receive one or some. None of us receive all. Now, in the event that you believe that speaking in tongues is for today, and that's a debatable topic that we could have a conversation about if you want to talk about whether it is or isn't for today. Even still, what we know to be true is that not all believers receive all the gifts. So here's what that means. If speaking in tongues is the evidence of salvation, but but speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift and not all of us get a spiritual gift, the same spiritual gift, then we're left being able to understand then that not all of us are going to receive the gift of speaking in tongues in the event we believe that tongues are for today. We have to speak in hypotheticals or, we're going to be, or it's going to be a long, long, long conversation today. If we believe it, then we have to believe that all would receive that specific gift. And that's not true of the nature of spiritual gifts, that, meaning that for all of us to speak in tongues is not in line with the nature of spiritual gifts. Was that clear as mud? Did I confuse everybody? All right, good. I'm a little, yeah, sorry. It's a difficult concept to teach. Here's, here's all that I'm saying. The doctrine of or the belief that speaking in tongues is this second act of grace that comes upon the believer after they are baptized with the Holy Spirit is it's inaccurate with the nature of spiritual gifts. Was that clearer? That good? Everybody, if you, you tracking? All right, good. A lot of head nodding, that's good. All right, we're on the, we're on the same path. Now, the whole belief system around speaking with gifts comes from several accounts in the book of Acts. Here's why we have to be careful. See, when I, when, I, when I don't teach clearly and y'all look confused, I get nervous and my mouth dries out. So when I drink a lot of water, you know that I think I've confused you. The doctrine or the belief in speaking in tongues comes from several accounts in the book of Acts. Here's why we have to be careful with determining doctrine or establishing or building doctrine based on the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a narrative account of events that were taking place as this transition was taking place from the Old Testament, Old Covenant system of law and Jewish rule following into this thing that we now call the church. The book of Acts records that transitional period. And so there are elements of any kind of transitional period that are not normative before that account or after that account. Let me give you an example. Think about the transitional times of your life and how non-normative the events of that time were for your current status. Here's what I mean. How many of you are married? Show of hands. Married people? Married people in the room. All right, good. You remember your wedding? Remember, that was kind of, kind of transitional, right? Like I wasn't married and now I'm getting married. Remember the honeymoon? How many, how many of you went on a honeymoon? Show of hands. All right, good. Now, how much of today is like your wedding and honeymoon? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Y'all thinking about the wrong part. We talked a little bit about that last week. No, just think about it. When you're getting married and when you're on your honeymoon or maybe even when you graduate from high school and going into college and it's kind of that weird summer where you're not a high school student but you're not a college student, like you're kind of caught in between like I'm kind of older teenager and not yet quite adult because I still got college and some of that stuff to deal with 
Or when I, I was single and I'm, I'm getting married, but I'm not like into that daily, you know, kids and jobs and budgets and all that. Like I'm not into that stuff yet. There's this weird kind of transitional period. And the elements of the transition period aren't normative for where you end up once you've been married for a while. Once you've gotten through college, you know, you're an adult and you're in the kind of end of the daily grind stuff, right? Transitional periods aren't normative. So what happens in those periods, we can't take as doctrine and make them kind of the law for every single day. We tracking? We good? All right, so that is in broad stroke, the book of Acts. It's a recording of this transitional period. So things that happen in the book of Acts, we can't build doctrine upon things that happen in a transitional period. You can't, you can't get doctrine out of the book of Acts. You can't do it. It's not a doctrinal book. It's a narrative book. All right, I know that was a lot of academia for, for some of us, and some of y'all eat that stuff up, and all of you are like, oh, God, will he please shut up and move on. So that's what I'm going to do. Now, we'll appease everybody. Kind of got the academics out of the way. Now we'll kind of move on to some more practical content. So when you truly become a follower of Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place. This is what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. He said, for just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Here's what all of that means. That when we enter into the family of faith in relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the moment and the only moment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we are grafted into the family of Christ. We are never commanded, if you want to write this down, this is kind of the main idea for today as we define these two terms. We are never commanded to be baptized with the Spirit, but we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So, so now we've kind of got this distinction between these two terms. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, which occurs at salvation. And then there is the filling of the Holy Spirit, which we are commanded to participate in. Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. Again, Paul writing. And he says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We talked about that a few weeks ago. How how are you guys doing with your 10-week commitment to live missionally, relationally, and intentionally? You guys remember that? We we committed together? All right, just just, that was a refresher, reminder. Let's go on. Therefore, because the days are evil, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Some of you guys were debauched last night. For that is debauchery. But, it's cool. But be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. Don't don't go get drunk, that's debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. It's in the, um, in, if you read it in the Greek, this is in the, the present imperative, which means a, con- a continual basis. This is not a be filled one time, but a continual being filled. It's an always an active, constant 
state of being, be constantly filled. And I love this comparison because there's a lot of similarities between getting drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We end up under the influence of both. So if we're trying to figure out, I think Paul makes a great comparison. So if we're trying to figure out the comparison, then we have to find the things that we can compare together. So let me ask you this question. What does it take to get drunk? You got, well, you got, yeah, you got to have the alcohol, right? You got to have access to the alcohol. At some point, you have to make the decision to consume the alcohol. And at some point, at some point in the process, doesn't the alcohol kind of take over? Like at that point, it's not you making the decisions anymore. And now it's the, it's the substance of which you are putting into your body that is now taking the control, and it kind of starts to begin to make the decisions for you. And I won't make you raise your hand and ask you how many of you have been there, but I'll raise my hand and say, I have. I've been there. And at a certain point, it's no longer Brian making the decisions. And what ends up happening eventually is as the alcohol and as that substance begins to have more and more influence, I become less and less and less the person that I, that I, I want to be. And I become less and less and less the person that other people around me would like for me to be. The same thing is exactly true of the Holy Spirit, except on the positive side of things. So in the same way that we end up under the influence of alcohol, we can end up under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So what does it take? First of all, you, you got to have access. You got to have access to the Holy Spirit. That happens in a relationship with Christ and through the indwelling, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now we have access to the Spirit and we have to make the decision to partake. It's on us. We can make the decision to allow the Holy Spirit to be able to fill us. And at a certain point, as the Holy Spirit continues to feel and continues to feel and continues to feel, we become more and more and more and more under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And eventually, when the Holy Spirit has enough influence in our life and we've been filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit, eventually we will become a person that is less like who we are and more like the person that God desires us to be. So instead of becoming less likable and less or more belligerent and more all of the things that happen when we overly consume alcohol, now we become more and more and more in line with the things that God would desire us to be. And we see these things result in something that we call the fruit of the Spirit. When we are filled with the, the Holy Spirit, how that shows up in our life, how that turns out, what we see then is the result of the influence of the Holy Spirit are the things that we call the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read them together, Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law, meaning you can't overindulge the fruit of the Spirit. You can't have too much of any of these. There's no law saying, hey, well, that, that's enough patience. There's no law that says, oh, easy on the self-control, buddy. Right? That's, there is no law. You can have as much of the fruit of the Spirit as you want. How do you get the fruit of the Spirit? You make the decision to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And I say make the decision. It's not us that does the feeling. It's the Holy Spirit that does the feeling. But we have to be available. We have to be open. In the same way that you can keep yourself 
from becoming drunk by putting barriers in place and having rules for how much you will and how much you won't and places you will go and things that you will do and things that you won't. You can, you can keep yourself from being drunk. In the same way, you can keep yourself from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Look at verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You see, every day that we wake up as a follower of Christ, we have a choice to make. We have a choice of whether I'm going to live my life today in a posture, in a manner in which the Holy Spirit, if he so chooses, could fill me up. Or we can make the decision when we wake up every morning to live our lives in such a way and in such a posture that we quench. The other text in Ephesians 5 would call it grieve. We could grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not, I'm not an overly smart guy, but I, I see a pretty clear contrast and decision that we have to make every single day of our lives if we desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can live and posture myself in such a way that I can be filled or I can live and posture myself in such a way that I quench. Filled or quenched. We put a cup in your seats today for this reason. We want you to take it with you. My hope is that every time you see any cup, whether it be one of our really cool blue Fusion City cups or whether it's the little you know, Dixie cup that you use to rinse your mouth out after you brush your teeth, if, if you use those. I, I usually just stick my face under the faucet, but it teaches on. <laughs> TMI, sorry, the ADD moment. Y'all hang with me. Here's why you got a cup in your seats. Because there's only one way that you can hold a cup where it can be filled. If you turn it upside down, there's no opportunity for anybody to be able to put anything in it, good or bad. As believers, every single morning that we wake up, we have a decision to make. Today, am I going to get after it? Am I going to live my life in such a way? Am I going to pursue God in such a way? Am I going to do the things that allow my spirit to be filled by his spirit? Or today when I wake up, am I going to try and live life in my own power? Am I going to try and do things my own way? 
Am I going to ignore scripture? Am I going to forget to talk to God? Am I going to fill my day up with everything other than the opportunity for, that God would have to speak and to pour and to fill my life with his presence? Here's the question we have to answer. We have, we have to answer the question of the cup. That's, that's what I'm calling it in my, in my own head this week. We have to answer the question of the cup. Which way am I holding my cup? Am I holding my cup up in such a way that God could fill it? Or, or am I showing him the bottom of my cup and saying, hey, God, I got this? Because, again, the only way, there's, there's two options. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit or we can quench. Which way are you holding your cup? You see, there's, there's a lot of things we can do that set us up in a posture for God to be able to fill us. We, we preach all the time, all the time about being in a connect group. If you are trying to go about this life alone, and I don't just mean alone. I mean, you might have friends and you might have great family. That's awesome. But I don't think there's anything that can take the place of biblical community, other believers on the same walk, listening to the same message that you're listening to right now. And then you're going to get together one day this week, a lot of you. We've got about 70% of our crowd in connect groups. It's awesome. So some of, you, some of us this week are going to get together in small groups. So we're going to talk about some of this stuff. And we're going to talk about ways that we can help each other maintain a posture where the Holy Spirit can fill us. You got to be in a group to have that conversation. That's a really, let's be honest. For people who aren't here this morning, if you were to walk up to them this week and be like, hey, which way are you holding your cup? Got, like, what are you talking about? What, what cup? What, what are you talking about? Man, what a great conversation to have with somebody in a connect group this week. One of the best ways that you can set yourself up for the Holy Spirit to fill you is to maintain biblical community with other people who are on the same journey of faith as you. Intimate community and connection with God. Accomplished through reading his word, studying in it, owning it. God speaks to us through his word. You want to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Guess how he often speaks? He speaks through his word. How can you hear if you're not reading? If, if you're not in a place, if you're not active in your, your reading of God's word, there's, there's less opportunity. I'm not saying God can't or the Holy Spirit won't, but I'm saying that it creates opportunities for us to be filled as we read God's word. And the third way is when we serve others. When we serve the world, when we give of ourselves, I like to think about it this, I get up in the morning and I got my cup and the Holy Spirit, I pray to God, God, today I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. That's an opportunity. Once he fills me up and once he continues to fill me up, like once you're full, God doesn't stop. You know that? And once your cup is full, once he's filled you up, God doesn't, God doesn't stop. He continues to fill. And as he continues to fill, it spills out. It pours out of our cup into the lives of other people. One of the best ways that you and I can maintain a posture of allowing ourselves to be filled by the Holy Spirit is to continually be pouring ourselves out to other people. And as we serve people, the Holy Spirit will fill us back up. 
And we get that, 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 that freshness of his presence and his spirit. And love God intimately and passionately. Love people by connecting with them in groups and we serve the world because that's what he's called us to do as banner carriers of the gospel. So I'm asking you again, what are you doing right now to better posture, better position yourself for God to be able to fill your cup? In a few moments, we're, we're going to sing a song together. We sang it together a few weeks ago. Um, I've kind of had it on repeat in, in, in my truck the last couple of weeks. Ever since Jonah introduced me to it, I've, I've almost worn it out. I'm kind of hoping Caleb never plays it on the radio because I'll be sick of it by the time it gets there. Maybe. I don't know. It's a pretty good song. But, but the chorus of the song says that when the Holy Spirit moves in only the way that he can move, that, that it not only changes what I see, but, but it changes what I, what I seek is, is the word. That it, it changes what I go after. I don't know about you, but with all the distractions in my life right now, with all the stuff that would, that would bide for my joy and for my peace and for my hope and my, for my contentment and for all the things that could make me afraid or scared, let, let, me, tell you what I, let me tell you what I want. I want a new vision I want to see differently. I want, to, I want to change my motivations to seek after the things that really matter. But none of that changes if I'm not continually being filled by the Holy Spirit. I need that in my life. You need that in your life. And can you imagine? Come on, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, maybe, maybe you talked about this in your connect group this week. We talked about it in mine. Can you imagine what it would look like if all of us filled by the Holy Spirit, utilizing our spiritual gifts were to go out and make an attempt to change the world together, empowered by the Holy Spirit with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, can you imagine what that would look like? like this, we didn't do a, a series on the Holy Spirit just because it was a really cool thing to fit up with, with Halloween, but because there's something that our church needs. And here's what it needs. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered to go and utilize the gifts that God has given us to be a gift to the rest of the world. And when that happens, not if, because I, don't, I know Pastor Quentin and Pastor Jonah. Like I know these guys. And, and, and the three of us collectively, we, we will not stop until this is our church. A church fully embodied and defined by, by a family of believers filled with the Holy Spirit because they chose to be. Because they chose to do the things that allow the Holy Spirit to change them, to fill them. And using that empowerment and the gift that they've been given by God to go out and make a difference. Can you, can you see what that looks like? Just, just go there in your mind. And imagine what it would look like for us to get this right.
pray. Father, it's my hope this morning that this idea that we can be filled with your presence and empowered to do incredible things doesn't fall on deaf or apathetic ears. God, it's my hope that through your presence at work in our lives, that God, we could be the kind of change this world is desperate to see. God, the the grand picture of of tremendous amounts of lives being changed is amazing, but God, it starts with the individual decision for me to do the things necessary, to, to make the decisions, to live in such a way that I am open to the feeling of your Holy Spirit. So God, would you help us to identify the things in our lives right now that are, that are keeping us from being under the influence of your spirit? Would you help us identify, God, the ways that we've cut you out, the, the places that we've left your influence out of our lives? God, would you help us to identify those and then give us the boldness and the confidence to step forward into doing things a different way? God, if we want change, we've got to change. If we want more, there's something more that we've got to do. And that's true for me. That's true for my family. That's true for each individual in this room and their family. And God, it's true for us as a church. God, we want your presence. We need your power in our lives. Because God, we are not content with the status quo. We're not content with a world that's lost and hopeless and dying. God, not when you've called us to be the change. So God, would you give us more of your spirit, more of your presence. Help us to see you more clearly, to act more boldly, because you're worth it. Because there are people inside of this room and out that need only that which you can give. So God, would you make us agents of change? Because we want to serve you. You're our king. You're our savior. We want to live a life that honors you and that starts by us deciding whether in this moment or any moment after to live in such a way that we can continually over and over and over constantly be filled by the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this great call upon our lives. We thank you that we can know you. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have access to it through Jesus, your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen.